Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver, coming to you live on caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, who really isn't here right now because she's been moving. And we are also coming to you live 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and a whole bunch more. I'm not going to bore you with that. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two caregiver podcast on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Uh, Caregivers typically need help in the financial department. That's why we have with us today, Armina Keshishian. Did I say that right? Yes. (laughs) A a good Armenian name. (laughs) She's the founder and CEO of Wealth and Wellness Global, a coaching company that encourages living abundantly with her core values being to empower, enlighten, and build. Together, we build a hopeful community. So combining 25 years of successful wealth management and financial planning in parallel with conducting conscious living and wealth consciousness seminars, that sounds interesting, she, with multiple financial and psychology designations, has created a holistic approach to wealth and wellness, to share her wisdom and knowledge on how to create a fulfilling and abundant life. And Armina is a multifaceted and brilliant entrepreneur whose aim is to bring expanded awareness to the world and to caregivers by encouraging and inspiring everyone to be aligned with their divine self. That's a good alignment. Based on her four corners stone philosophy, of physical, emotional, mental, intellectual, and spiritual elements in order to live their desired lives. So before we get started with her, I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, uh, caregivers who are worried about their higher education, college-bound strategies. Justin Duncombe is the author of College-Bound Strategies, and he's been consulting on college planning since 2011, and it's a great show. Just a reminder, you can listen to that show uh, and this show and all our shows on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Armina, welcome to the Caregiver Dave show. We're so excited to have you on. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, good. I love it when they're excited. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, I like to ask as my first question, um, who is Armina Kesheshian, and why was she placed on this earth? On this earth, what a great question. <laughs> well, I'm, um, I have Armenian heritage. I'm Christian born in a Muslim Middle Eastern country. And mm. I always uh, told my parents, I said, thank you so much for having me. I love to be on <laughs> earth. 
And um, I believe that we are here to create a life. It's up to us to create it. And sometimes life brings its own agenda that we're not prepared. And the idea is to combine your own desires and your own God-given talents and God-given journey and make the best of it. And that's I think why I'm here, and I believe that's why everybody's here. <laughs> well, that's a great answer. <laughs> um, how? What's what state are you in? First of all, what part of the country? I am in Canada, Toronto. Toronto, Canadian. Well, welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so why much. Why don't you share a little bit of your story of um, uh, when your father needed care? Because you were a caregiver at one time. Yes. I, I not exactly directly, but to some extent. So let me back up a little bit, Dave. Um, right. I did wealth management for over 25 years and financial consulting. Mm-hmm. And my experience is that uh, once the finances were in order, then everything else had to be discussed. And I was fortunate my clients trusted me a lot and liked me a lot. They always shared their stories and, um, of course, it takes time to have wealth and to create wealth. So most of my clients were older towards the end. And unfortunately, most of them, not all of them, most of them needed care. And I heard a lot of stories and I was involved with some of my clients' stories, what was happening in terms of finance, in terms of upheavals. And at some point, my father was uh, not well emotionally. Um, he was actually devastated when my mother passed away because he was a few years older and she was actually very healthy whereas my father wasn't as healthy and he was older so it was a shock to the whole family so emotional upheaval was something else but sometime later physically he wasn't well his mind was good his mind was working well and that was uh, a very difficult time Uh, my sister took care of him mostly Um, he was in the nursing homes he was in hospitals but I was there I was part of the equation, but yeah. I can say my, my sister took care of him. Um, but it's very difficult to take care of someone at home. They have to be in a place where they can right. be lifted. There are certain beds. There are certain the agenda of what to eat, when to eat, and so forth. And you're very wise because many caregivers don't understand when they reach a point where their patient needs 24-7 care or they have bed sores and they need to be turned every two hours and they can't get their sleep, that it's time to move them into a facility. But a lot of times guilt keeps them from doing that because maybe they uh, were forced to swear to their loved one, don't ever put me in a nursing home, you know, I'll die there. And, and so they're, they're killing themselves. And so I would recommend that they make a different promise, say, I'm reneging on that promise of never putting you in a facility and here's the new promise that I will give you the best care available because it's, it's suicide. Otherwise, you know, uh, your loved one really wouldn't want you to be killing yourself to sacrifice your life for their life. And, and so, you know, you have to think about that. Absolutely. And one thing that I do suggest is that and they have it documented. Uh, most yeah. people um, ignore having a power of attorney power of attorney is for care and for finances. And once you have the power of attorney name, then you can also have the terms and conditions. I can give you a couple of really interesting um, 
observations and scenarios that I, I saw with my clients, these couple, they were adorable. They were from, I believe, Ireland, and they went dancing every single weekend. And I knew them for like a long time. Uh-huh. So from the beginning, I knew them from the beginning of my career at that time. And towards the end, she started having Alzheimer's. And of course, then being lovebirds after being married for so many years, he, there was no way he was going to put him, uh, put her, sorry, in the nursing home. Sure. But what happened one day, and of course, she was having fits. Uh, sometimes she was just uh, angry and she didn't, re- she wouldn't recognize him. So one time what happened from exhaustion, he actually fell down in the bathroom and he broke his uh, head somewhere and he was in blood. If his son didn't come on time, probably he would have died. And that was the guilt that you're talking about. It's not easy. Uh, it was the same with me. I mean, I, I wasn't going to be able to take care of my father in my home. And, and honestly, I could feel guilty about that. Well, I told my parents, I said, please don't get sick. I cannot put my life aside and take care of you. Uh, I mean, some people might think it's very selfish. But then again, you said, a life for life, which is it? Uh, my father in his 80s, you know, do I sacrifice mine for him? But I was there. I would go to the hospital all the time. I would go to the nursing home all the time, bring him food, bring him. And sometimes we would take him to a restaurant because he loved dining out. So we would yeah. send a car to bring him to the restaurant. We would have dinner, family dinner, and then he would go back to the nursing home. So, uh, but to be in the nursing home, there's other issues. Either um, you cannot afford it, so you rely on government money, which is very little. You won't get the best service, I, I have to say that. And number two is, um, do, you have, do, do you plan for it? Uh, oh, sorry. There was one. I know I said two examples. One other example before I continue with this. I really like to share this with the audience and with you. Um, there was, uh, there was again, another cl- a set of clients, husband and wife, and um, he passed away and she became sick very quickly. She had Alzheimer's and some other health issues and they were quite wealthy as a matter of fact. And her son said that it's too much money for me to pay to someone to come and take care of her 24 seven. I think it's better that she goes to nursing home. And because the whole family tree, the whole family were my, his family were my clients. They were uh-huh. saying, this is not good. This is not right. They have money. They could, you know, have someone, two people come. Sure. And I guess he felt guilty and he was telling me, but it's waste of money. So, but you know what? She died in a few months after being in the nursing home. And she told me one time, she said, my son doesn't have time to come and see me. Mm. So I went to see her. So it's unfortunately not uh, the best scenario. Again, yeah. you got to look at your finances. Um, yeah, the family dynamics is important also. That's why I always, you know, treat my children wonderful and love them and do things for them. And I remind them one day, you're going to have to be changing my diaper. Don't stick me, you know, in some... <laughs> crazy place. And I, from an early age, I told them that. And, and now they're adults. I continue to tell them that. And so they laugh and say, well, you have a long term care policy. We'll stick you in a place. Uh, Cause I tell her I, I want to be uh, in uh, Malibu, you know, overlooking the ocean. They says, well, if you have dementia, we'll stick you anywhere and you'll, you'll think you're looking at the ocean. 
Yes, but I have a, I have a question for you, David. Yes. Do you really like your children to take care of you if they are not too keen on that? I'm just curious. No, that's why I have uh, long-term care. Yes. I don't want them to go through you know, what I went through with my wife. I wish she had long-term care. Yes. But, uh, you know, she's still very independent. It's, it's not a fair comparison because even though she lost her speech and became paralyzed on one side and she still cannot talk, but she can communicate non-verbally through Pictionary and Charades, two games I hate, by the way, but I'm learning to love. And she has a power chair. So we, we travel the world and she communicates very, very well. I mean, think about it. Uh, we have a, a brand new one-year-old uh, grandbaby, great-grandbaby, and that baby cannot speak of course. But you know what? She communicates very well. She tells us when uh, her diaper needs to be changed uh, non-verbally, and she tells us when she's hungry, and she tells us when she wants something, and she tells us when she wants to be picked up, and so on. And and my wife and her communicate just fine together. You know? yeah. So um, even if uh, she did have long-term care insurance, um, it would help to get the money because I'd still be caring for her. I wouldn't put her in a facility. She's not ready for facility. She has a high quality of life. I come home, the the food is on the table. She's a gourmet cook. The the clothes are done. The, the dishes are in the dishwasher, et cetera. So uh, she has elves. She makes us normal people look like whiners and complainers. But Right. We're here to talk about your story, not mine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. It's always good to share. That's because yeah. um, you you had the policy. And sometimes people are not uh, going to take the insurance because they always feel, we always feel it's never going to happen to me. That's always the underlying thought process. It's yeah. never going to happen. Well, to I'm me. not that dumb to think that because I did it in my late 40s and it was very reasonable, $110 a month for all those years. And they just recently raised it last year to 100 and. $30 a month. But I mean, that's a bargain. It's, it's because a, there's a lot of $400,000 yeah. um, life, um, you know, how much they could spend out, uh, pay out. And so you can take it any way you want it. You know, you can do it every month for like a year and a half and it'll be gone. Or you can do a, go in a lesser facility and it'll last longer and so on. So I highly recommend uh, long-term care insurance. And I highly recommend if this is taking its toll on you, that it's time for a facility. Now, I disagree with you a little about the government money because uh, sometimes if you can get um, approved for uh, Medicaid, uh, that money is very, very useful. And Medicaid, well, here in California, we call it Medi-Cal. They have a special assisted living waiver program and they paid for my mother's assisted living even though um, Medi-Cal normally does not pay for it, it was a pilot program and it's been working. So they were paying $3,500 a month for a very nice facility. Now, nice facilities don't grow on trees. You got to really look for them. Nine out of 10 of them are not nice. You got to right. go do your homework uh, and, you know, yes. appear unexpected and, uh, you know, do the smell test. If it smells like a hospital, that's good. If it smells like urine or your litter box for your cat, then that's bad. If all the wheelchairs are just facing the wall and they're blank, blank, and they're staring at blank walls, you know, and lights are on, nobody's home, that's not good. But if they're actively engaged and involved in, in activities and programs, that's a good place. And we had a very good place. And Medi Cal was paying for it. Also, I'm if not, you're if you're sorry, a spouse, I'm not, of, suggesting, I'm not suggesting that um, you shouldn't get government help. I'm saying if you have a private one, it's you yeah. can do much more. If you're in a ten thousand dollar facility, 
you'd be looked after like a king or queen. Whereas oh, if but it's who last, can afford that? <laughs> and so the policies Maybe some of your uh, wealthy clients can. <laughs> long-term care policies, disability policies, and also the long-term care, there is return of premium. If nothing happens to you, you can get your money back. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of uh, uh, options sad, available. The sad thing about dementia is sometimes these people just live on and on and on yeah. 10 years, you know? So uh, you, you do want to spend that money wisely on a facility. Don't, don't think that, oh, well, I'll be gone in a year and a half. Even though you want to be gone in a year and a half, nobody who has dementia or Alzheimer's wants no. to live. You know, they want to just take me away. So make sure you have a good advanced directive explaining yeah. what your wishes are. I don't want any tubes being shoved down my throat to feed me. You know, uh, if I, my heart stops, I don't want you to hit the paddles, you know, whatever it is. And so my mother had that. It's an advanced directive. And so when she went in the hospital, for some difficulty uh, swallowing, uh, the doctors knew, and she left uh, left this world uh, soon afterwards. And that was her will, and we were all happy to see that because she was she was torturing herself. It, it's not a very nice thing to have, and typically that's what long term care is for. It's for you know dementia or Alzheimer's. So let's talk about your four cornerstone philosophy that will enhance your life. Did you talk about that yet? Right. Okay, so I believe in the four cornerstone, which is um, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and intellectual slash mental. Uh, in North America, we mostly pay attention to our physicality, the first cornerstone, which is our bodies, uh, the body, our cars, our homes, uh, intimacy, which is the physicality, um, food. Whereas if we take some time and be more cognizant of our spiritual well-being, which is, um, I'm not suggesting that everyone should be religious. Some people don't even believe in religion. Yeah. But, but we always have a connection of, of something, a bigger something, or we have yeah. a connection with our own spirit. Religion is different from spirituality, you know. Yes, it's, that's the one I'm referring to, the spirituality. Then we can have a more fulfilled life. So that's the spiritual. And then the sure. emotional. A lot of times what happens, we just hold our emotions in, the, the anger, the sadness, and we just suppress and suppress. Well, I suggest to have discussions, have communications if you're angry, if you're upset, and just be emotionally well. Then you can radiate Mm. much more energy and better energy and uh, the mental and the intellectual is which is to be mentally stimulated reading a book a yeah. good book like creativity or even to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset to say well i'm born this way i am this i am that and that's about that whereas if we take steps to say you know what maybe i can look at it from a different perspective and see if I can manage to improve my life in a certain way. So if we pay attention to all the four cornerstones, I think that we will have a more enlightened life. So how can a caregiver enhance uh, his and his uh, loved one's uh, finances? Many times he's taken over, he or she has taken over the finances of the loved one. <clears throat> you know, maybe they, they sold the house and now the money is, is uh, not in her name anymore and and so now he's responsible for trying to make the money last. What, what tips would you give someone who maybe has a loved one and now he has, I don't know, maybe $100,000 from the sale of a house or something, maybe more, maybe less. 
Uh, what should he be doing to make sure that that money lasts? Okay, so let me rephrase oh. to make sure I understand. So it's a husband and wife. Uh, one of the parties, one of the spouses is not well and they sold their assets and they have $100,000 left, correct? Yeah, or it could be a single uh, uh, person single whose person. spouse has died and now a child, adult child is taking care of them and they're responsible for the uh, money, you know. And they have very limited <clears throat> resources. So um, what happens uh, based on what I've noticed and experienced is um, the thought process is always, we don't have enough money and I'm exhausted. I have to give him lunch or give her lunch. I have to give him dinner and I'm exhausted. So this battle of going back and forth, my suggestion would be, first of all, to take maybe a day off, a few hours off to have a bath, a nice bubble bath, to feel comfortable, to feel good, have a candlelight, whatever works for you. And, and have um, the budget. If you have $100,000 and the person you're looking after got another 80 years to live, it might be very difficult. But if you kind of sit back and look at it very logically as opposed to emotionally, then you say, okay, my budget is this. What is the bare minimum? If you're on really, really limited budget, what is my bare minimum that I absolutely need? And uh, how many hours can I take care of this person? 24 hours a day, can I manage it? Because then what happens, the caregiver becomes extremely exhausted and then they can make decisions that it doesn't make sense financially. And also look for government help. The government does help in Canada and US. Either they give you money or they give you like the facility or they pay for the facility. Look for options. What is the best option? So for example, again, as we said, if it's $100,000, you can maybe go to a facility that is less expensive or see if you can manage to take care of your loved one at home but you got to take care of yourself as well. Otherwise, you'd be extremely exhausted and you could develop some symptoms of... Uh, on, sure. Like, uh, your, you get the med for yourself, sure. Yes, yes. So to, to be very proactive is the key. And there's take other... Care of your and emotions and be proactive. And there's other areas uh, that they can get uh, aid from, county, um, federal government, uh, the, the, the Veterans Association... If you're a spouse of a, of a veteran, right. yes. uh, they have uh, benefits as well. So there's so many things that you can do and look into. Um, what if um, you've, you suspect that your loved one, who might still be living at home, might be a little more independent, is answering the phone? I mean, I just got an email today from PayPal, and it said, oh, no, your, your, uh, your card is compromised. Click this button here. And uh, log in. And so I've always learned to see where that button is taking me. And it's taking me to this strange website. It wasn't PayPal's website. And I'm saying, how many people would fall for this, especially elderly people? Yes. And next thing you know, uh, you know, the, she, they're giving you uh, your, their social security number. And now they are attaching your bank account. And so many bad things can happen. What advice can you give a caregiver who maybe is even oblivious to that could even happen to their loved one? Oh, no, she doesn't answer the phone. Well, she might. She might. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are a lot of scams. And what happens is older people normally, they want um, more communication. I mean, we all want more communication as human beings. Uh, we are social creatures. We want to be together. We want to hug. We want to be intimate. But 
older people, mostly they spend their time in isolation, unfortunately. And so what happens when even a stranger calls, they're happy to talk to someone. <laughs> and if somebody is a smooth talker, yeah. you know, they could just change the story and say, you know, this and that. And older people fall for it because yes. they're a little bit vulnerable because of their age, because of their uh, illness. Then, I trust the, them. I, I, they understand me, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell your son because he might not understand. And, exactly. and now they're keeping secrets from their caregiver. Exactly. So the idea is to communicate. The caregivers have to communicate to say there are scams. Uh, and then the, the person might say, no, they're not scams and they're young kids and they want this. But again, communication is the key. I mean, we can't control everything. But the idea is to be... Uh, to take preventative measures. So if there's sure. no communication, let's say, what are the, the signs of uh, the red flags, the warning, you know, Will Robinson uh, things that we should be looking for if our loved one is not talking? Um, then don't allow access to finances. Mm. So if a person calls and says, I need $5,000 for ABCD and you have access to the finance, you can easily authorize So maybe be a signer on the account or don't let them have exclusive signing away. Even right. the banks get involved too. I know uh, my aunt has dementia now and my sister's getting involved in their finances and she got a new boyfriend. I mean, she's 84 and he's 89 and the bank is very concerned because they come in together and she uh, withdraws her money because she doesn't know how to use a, a debit card and and when my sister got involved, she was, oh, we're so thankful that you're involved because, you know, we're always leery about uh, someone coming in we don't know about and they're pulling money out and they're supposedly in a relationship, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's correct. When, um, when there is no accountability, a lot could happen, especially when people get married at much later ages, around 80s, as you said. So just I know it's not related to caregiving, but something that I wanted to mention that had happened many times with some people mm. is that um, the older people, one of them mm. passes on and they leave all their assets to the new husband or the new boyfriend and the children of the deceased get nothing. Right. Which Very is common. So Very having common. a proper power of attorney, a will, they're all important. It's nobody wants to talk about it really. And not waiting too long to do that, you know. Yeah. Don't wait for an emergency before you try to pull that off because it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and to then, review, having a power of attorney is one thing, but to review if you made one 30 years ago yeah. and your power of attorney is he sick himself, uh, then it's time to have someone sure. else that you trust. Trust is something that nobody really talks about, but trust is very important when it comes to uh, taking care of someone. Yeah. Um, and I never uh, imagined that my 84-year-old aunt who who was in love with her husband there'd never be another man all of a sudden she's dating an 89 year old i never would have guessed that you know so you've got to say oh my my loved one would never do that well you don't know what they're capable of doing because now she has dementia and who, who knows you know if, if motives are are good or not i i think he's a godsend i don't know about his motives but she loves him he loves her and uh he's if i try to <clears throat> pay someone to do what he's doing, it would cost a fortune, you know? So uh, you just have to be careful and take the money uh, out of her control so that you can have the best of both worlds. You have got a companion for your loved one, 
You've got uh, someone who cares for them, uh, can be with them 24-7 because they're living together now. Uh, but they can't get married because if they get married, she'll lose her husband's um, pension. And Social Security can fe- affect that. So don't let those elderly people go into <laughs> marital relationships because that can be bad. Right. It's next- always good to speak with a financial planner. I, um, I don't do uh, financial consulting in a sense that I've given up all my licenses. I still have all my designations, but um, talk to a financial consultant um, or a financial planner who can talk about all these things, someone that you trust and can put <clears throat> you on the right, right path. Yeah. Now, um, what was I going to say? Oh, we have about uh, three or four minutes left. Um, go ahead and speak about something that you wanted to talk about that maybe we haven't discussed yet. Uh, so the floor is yours. Well, I can talk about my book if it's yes. okay. Yes. So um, I've written a book, Joyous Wealth, 56 oh, Secrets title. to Riches and Wellness. <laughs> and uh, nice it's cover. a story. It's a story of uh, five uh, characters uh, all the way from a single mom who has nothing to a billionaire woman who has made it. And through our com- and I'm the narrator and the observer in the in the book and what happens is that we talk about our lives, our joys, our paths, our challenges and there is a solution uh, for everything and so you can have whatever you want in life. As, as long as you decide on that. So one of the things that I talk about is the three Ds, which is desire, determination, and dedication. And my concept is that if you desire something 100% and you dedicate uh, your life because you decided that's what you want, you will achieve it. I mean, some things, if we have an accident or if we're ill, depending on our illness, maybe outside of, like we can, we may not be able to do much, But whatever life hands you, then you can deal with it much better if you have those three Ds. So the book goes, uh, it's more like a mosaic. It has nine chapters with an epilogue and a prologue. And you can have whatever you want, empowerment, legacy, money. All the examples are there. All the information is there. It does come with a workbook. And it's available on Amazon right now. And um, it actually made it a bestseller. And uh, I got a word for it also as a very good author. So I'm very honored about that. Good for you. So, yeah, I would really encourage caregivers who, you know, maybe aren't uh, money uh, organized and, and you struggle with, you know, sp- uh, saving money, et cetera, then uh, I encourage you to buy this book and to reach out to Armina. Uh, how can someone get a hold of you if they want to speak to you or, or maybe have a con- consultation with you? Absolutely. They, you can check our website. is wealthandwellnessglobal.com. Wealthandwellnessglobal.com. You can reach me directly from there. Um, and you can call all the information. Is there our phone numbers, contact information? I'd love to talk to you and love to hear your he- feedback. And one thing I do want to mention to caregivers, because you are so focused on taking care of your loved one, most of the times the money goes like in the back of your mind. So please pay attention. It's important. And uh, not every day, don't look at it every day, but at least once a year, once a month, just take a look at the budget, take a look at your finances and see how well you're doing and take care of yourself. Don't be too exhausted. You know, (laughs) Good, good advice. And again, uh, for those of you uh, who want to find me, I'm at caregiverdave.com. 
And a reminder that all our shows uh, become recorded pod or video casts on all our platforms mentioned before, like YouTube, Blog Talk, Radio, Podbean, and many more. And don't forget to check out caregiverdave.com. It's a free membership support community with lots of tools and resources. Please click the like button below on whatever platform you happen to be watching or listening this interview on. It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. So again, thank you, Armina, and thank you to all my listeners for tuning in each and every week and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel, we interview two guests every Tuesday, which are ready for you to listen to on Wednesday. So may God richly bless all of you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial, I don't believe this is happening, anger, oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening, to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation, and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Oh.